All right, Raj, why don't you come up? Guys, if you don't know Raj, Raj was the lead guy here for 20 years. I've been there for two. I wouldn't be a... What did I do? Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> Who here can't... You've missed Roger's memes for a while, right? You just missed his pics. Welcome the lovely Roger Nix. Appreciate you. Yeah. Hey, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. And I really mean to see all of you. Right? I'm feeling a little naked up here without my mask today, but I'm sure we will survive. Yeah, it is, it's just great to be here. Um, it's great to always be here, whether I'm up here or down there, because this is a great place to be. It's a great community to be a part of, and um, it's been a joy in the last, uh, we're coming up on two years in June, and um, God's <clears throat> really been good to me and, and to our family and allowed us, even in the midst of COVID and all kinds of things, to continue to grow and develop and getting to help bring the same kind of culture and DNA here that we get to enjoy to other communities and other leaders and other places uh, in the U.S. And so you guys are um, known around the country. You are loved and um, yeah, so I just want you to, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for all your prayers, love, support. Thanks for letting my family be here and uh, be a part. And it's a great joy. Um, we're going to continue talking about prayer. And since that's kind of the season that I, I've been launched into, uh, working full time with 24-7 prayer, as well as uh things here in the city and things here locally. Um, I want to begin today, we're going to talk about the art of asking. And prayer really is simply the prioritizing of God in all of life. Right? St. Augustine said, true prayer is nothing but whole love. Right? It is the way that our hearts we're meant to live and, and express all of life. Everything God does actually happens through prayer. If you stop to think about it, uh, this fine uh, theologian Hans Urs von Bultesar said, uh, we do not build the kingdom of God on earth by our own efforts. Aren't you glad? However, assisted by grace, the most we can do through genuine prayer is to make as much room as possible in ourselves and in the world for the kingdom of God so that its energies can go to work. And that's a beautiful uh, definition of how prayer works. Prayer is just making space for God. It's making space, room for Him in, in my daily life, in my decisions, in, 
the way that I, I, I see things and, and the way that I do things in my business, making room for the kingdom of God. And prayer is the doorway through which we do that. Right? In fact, the, the, it, it's always been this way. I mean, the entire God story is the story of prayer and communion and making room for God. We, we look at the Garden of Eden, paradise. What made Eden a paradise was, was you know, not that you could run around without any underwear on. What made it paradise was the presence of God. Walking and talking with Adam and Eve face to face, face to face with God was how we were intended to live, guys. The whole earth began as a prayer room. And so we go from, from paradise to the wilderness, right? God delivered the children of Israel from the hand of Pharaoh and set them on a 40-year journey of day and night prayer. Of course, it was a mobile prayer room, the tabernacle, that sustained them, that led them, that empowered them. They didn't go anywhere unless the cloud and the fire moved, right? That means that prayer was a part. They were discerning, God, God's on the move. What are you doing, God? Right? Then we go to the promised land. In the promised land, they, they built a temple, a permanent place that hosted continual rhythms of prayer day and night for nearly a thousand years, you guys. The church was born in a prayer room. Right? Acts 1.8, the two pillars of the church says they were in one accord and in prayer. And out of that, the Holy Spirit came and birthed the church, Right? We see other movements in the 1700s, the Moravians, a ragtag band of refugees gathered in a community. They were all in, in chaos and arguing and fighting and fussing until uh, Count von Zinzendorf called them to prayer. And they launched a hundred years of day and night prayer that launched one of the greatest mission movements in history. In the U.S., in the Pentecostal charismatic movement, it began in a multiracial night and day prayer room in Azusa Street in Los Angeles that we're still enjoying the fruits of today. And now we are in one of the largest global prayer movements in history. I was in Austin a couple of weeks ago and, and listen, man, there are so many amazing prayer movements. There's this movement called Bless Every Home. And every morning in my inbox, I get five of my neighbors by name that I can pray for, right? And it's, it's, it's wild. They, they, through all of the technology we have now, you can pray for your neighbors by name. You can know who they are, right? And so we've been using the acronym PRAY. Right, we started, let's, let's just do a quick review. We began with pause, right? Pause allows the, the dust to settle in our souls. We spent time talking about that because we have to learn how to come to God in a way that our minds and our hearts can be still enough to listen and sense His presence and sense His nearness. Man, 
It is just hard to hear amidst all the noise and the chaos of life, right? Yes? <laughs> so we pause. In fact, let's just close your eyes for a moment. I mean, and, and get good at this, guys. Get good at just being able to stop in a moment and pause before the Lord. Close your eyes and take a deep breath. I want you to become aware of your breath right now. Become aware of it. Just breathe. See, you're not aware of your breath while you were sitting there before, but now you're aware of it. This is the same way we become, we pause and all of a sudden we become aware of his presence. We become aware of his nearness. He's as near as your very breath. And so we pause and then uh, we talked about, whoop, hold on, back up. Yep. Then we talked about rejoice. Rejoice rightly frames the God who we're praying to. He is a God worthy of our adoration. We sang it today. Worthy of it all, right? Woo! And when we remember all the ways that he's worthy and all the ways that he's blessed us and answered our prayers, it inspires us to actually continue in prayer, in faith, right? Rejoicing reminds us that God is a God of miracles. And while all the parts... Sorry, am I loud? Am I too loud? You're kind of sleepy. My, if my wife were here, she'd say, stop yelling. Sorry. Just excited. While all these parts are part of a vibrant prayer life, at its core, the word pray literally means to ask, to entreat God. This is the heart of prayer, right? Bringing our cares, bringing our needs, bringing our desires before our Heavenly Father, who, although He needs, knows what we need before we ask Him, Scripture still says, you have not because you what? You ask not. Right? Asking God shows us that God still does miracles today. That he cares and it reflects our dependence upon God as a good, good father. So before we dive in, and I, I'm going to take you through just a real quick survey of, of, uh, of all the kind of the ways that we can ask God and how, how that flows. I want you to do something real quick for me. I'm going to put this number up here. I'm going to keep it up here for a little while. And I thought it'd be fun, hopefully super encouraging. If nothing else, it will encourage me. But I want you just to take a moment and text me the wildest, craziest prayer that God's ever answered for you. And, and you don't have to go long. You have permission to text in service right now. Okay? But just take a moment and say, what's the... If I were to say, man, I know God is God and that God is real because of this. What would that be? What was the prayer God prayed? Maybe it, it, maybe it was a little bitty crazy, insignificant prayer that nobody would, would know. But what's the prayer that God answered for you? That you asked Him for? That made you go, whoo! God does miracles. Okay? So, if you, if you can't think of anything right now, don't worry, I can't read them all. But at the end of the service, I'm going to read some of them. And we're going to get encouraged and happy in the Lord. Okay? So, here we go. Um, let's turn to Matthew 7. Uh, whatever you have. 
device you have, let's turn to Matthew 7, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, and here he is telling his disciples to ask, and he's telling them why we should ask, and he says this, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I want to read that one more time, and I want you just to Close your eyes, and I don't want you to take it in with your head, but I want you to take it in with your heart. Let me read that again to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Hear Jesus speaking to you, inviting you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son were to ask for bread, would give him a stone? Or if you were to ask for fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you who ask him? To those who ask him. Why do we ask? We ask because we have needs, right? And we ask God because he's a good father, yeah? So to, to ask God on our own is, is what we would call the prayer of petition, okay? Petition is asking for ourselves, right? I tell couples all the time in marriage counseling, listen, you, you have to be assertive, Okay? That doesn't mean aggressive, but you have to ask for what you want and what you need out of the relationship in order for the relationship to be healthy. Right? The same is true in our relationship with God. We ask, we're petitioning God for the things we want and need to happen in our life. He taught us, Jesus taught us to pray and to ask for, for everything, things like daily bread and forgiveness of our sins and deliverance from evil and, and not to be led into temptation. Did you know that in the Lord's Prayer, that those, that prayer and those words asking, you know, give us our daily bread, it's actually in the imperative. I mean, God is saying, look, man, don't be shy, don't be timid, be bold in your prayers. Like, you I mean, he's almost like saying, command me. Like saying, God, give me bread. Forgive me, God. I mean, this is asking with, with, with passion. Have you ever noticed that children are not afraid of asking? Yeah? They're not shy. I mean, they will ask for anything, anytime. And they will ask Again and again and again. <laughs> and have you ever noticed they can kind of be demanding? <laughs> what if that is childlike faith? They're like, Dad, I know you have this. Give it to me. 
I know you can give me this. One of my recent favorite Jesus stories is the story of blind Bartimaeus. I've been sitting in that story for the past two and a half years because of a journey I've been on through an organization called Transforming Community with one of my new mentor coaches, uh, Ruth Healy Barton. And you may know the story, but blind Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road. He's crying out. Jesus walks by, you know, David, have mercy on me. And, and, And he gets, and Jesus calls to him. And so here's this blind man coming to Jesus, and Jesus has the audacity to say, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) How crazy is that, right? Uh, I don't know. I need some shoes. (laughs) No, man. But how, think about it. Think about why would Why would Jesus even bother to ask him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? This gets at the heart of prayer because prayer is about tapping in to our deepest desires, our deepest needs, our deepest longings. We ask for what we want. We ask for what we need because, first of all, it's relational. That's part of relationship. The give and take. We are in a covenant relationship with the creator of the universe, with God the Father Almighty, right? And that covenant comes with commitments and it comes with with expectation and it's okay to ask the Father. Asking is also very vulnerable, isn't it? I mean, it exposes our heart. But asking is also intentional because you, you begin to focus. It, it brings focus to your prayers. Don't pray just random prayers, but pray focused prayers. I dare you to pray for the things that are on your heart, even some of the trivial things. And it's also liberating. Why? One of the things that God is challenging me and in these days is to learn how to live a life free of hurry and free of care. And friends, the only way I know how to live a life free of care is to cast my cares on someone who cares for me. Paul in Philippians said, man, in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Why would you carry that burden? Why would you carry that worry instead of living a life free of care and saying, of anxious care and saying, God, I relinquish this to you. I give this to you. I surrender it to you. I, 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 I don't know what to do with this, but God, please help me. And when we ask in faith and we ask in the name of Jesus and we can be assured, we can be assured that Jesus hears us and he hears us better than we're even asking. Don't you love that about God? He hears us better than we can articulate. Even though it might not always be the way we imagine. Listen, I've had some crazy answers to prayer. 
and the kind that make you wonder, God, is, is that really you? You know? I, listen, in, <clears throat> when I was in high school, I started developing this weird uh, thing in my jaw where it would just catch and pop, you know? It was like, uh, uh, and man, it was, it was kind of painful, and it was annoying, and so I prayed. I said, God, please heal me, you know? So I prayed the prayer, gave it to the Lord, prayed, you know, I don't remember how long I prayed this prayer. And then sometime later, <clears throat> uh, long story short, my father had uh, an implement dealership, and one of his employees' sons had broken up with his girlfriend, got discouraged, OD'd on alcohol and pills, and was at the hospital, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm like in high school, and I'm an aspiring young doctor. This is what I was going to do before the Lord called me into ministry. So I was like, you know, my dad was out of town, so my older brother went to the emergency room to check on him. I thought, oh, dude, I want to go, I want to go, you know. I want to check this out because I'm going to be a doctor. And so I get to the emergency room, and this is the old school days, a little small town hospital. I'm sitting outside the emergency room uh, area. There's only one, you know, little area there. The doors are wide open. They start pumping this guy's stomach out, okay? And the sound of it is probably worse than the actual experience of it. I couldn't see anything. I could only hear it. And I'm not going to make the noise because it might. But I'm sitting there in my chair and I went, wow, man, I, I'm not feeling so good. I got to get out of here. And I stand up and I pass out, and I just go, <laughs> right on my face. I wake up. I had just gotten my braces off. My two front teeth look like uh, Jim Carrey out of Dumb and Dumber, because uh, they were chipped now. And I was, that was the only thing I thought about. Oh, so frustrated now. But about a week or two later, I noticed, hey, my jaw's not popping. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> now, <laughs> I was still bummed. And you say, well, <laughs> was that just a coincidence? I don't know. But w William Temple says, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't happen. So you can decide. But in my book, I have never had another issue with my jaw since. So, hey, come on. And, you know, my teeth are fake, but hey, small price to pay. It wasn't a small price, but it was a price. <laughs> but I paid. <laughs> Actually, my parents paid. <laughs> All right. I think God likes answering those kind of prayers. I think God, you know what else? I think God loves answering prayers for lost things, don't you? Yeah. Have you ever had the, the find your keys, Hail Mary prayer? <laughs> right? God, help me find those keys. Uh, I'm not, not kidding, man. One day I was in my house. I searched all over. I was done. I was done. I was done. I was everywhere. Turned the house upside down. I'm in my knees on the closet, finally out of desperation. God, would you please help me find my keys? I lean back in prayer, chink. I put my hands on the keys. I'm like, 
Are you kidding me? <laughs> awesome. Second kind of prayer we have. We ask for ourselves. That's petition. Sec- secondly, we ask for others. This is intercession. The, the honor, the joy, the privilege, the place of intercession. Right? We get to ask on behalf of others. Probably my greatest uh, favorite quote on prayer is by Karl Bart, Bart, the great theologian, modern theologian, who, who said, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising of the disorder of the world. Come on. Isn't that awesome? To me, that's, that's the best definition of intercession that, that I can think of. Because when we pray on behalf of others, we, we're coming against the chaos and disorder of the world. When we pray into the world situation, the political scene, the governmental scene, the educational scene, uh, uh, just the cultural scene, my friends, it is going to take the intervention of God, Right? And I've seen so many stories of how prayer has changed the course of events in history, both big and small. This, this week in uh, Lectio 365, which is uh, the prayer app for um, 24-7 prayer. If you're not, haven't tried it out, I'll, I'll show it to you at the end here. I, I really would encourage you to check it out. They have morning prayers and evening prayers now. It's just a beautiful way to help you connect with the Lord in prayer. But this week they told this story of uh, King... Ethelbert, which is a great name, right? Name your kids that. In, uh, in the year 578 A.D., 6th century, a French princess called Bertha moved to Canterbury in the English kingdom of Kent to marry its ruler, Ethelbert, King Ethelbert. So Christianity had not yet come to the British Isles or specifically Catholic Christianity. There were some Celtic Christianity had spread up in the north, but in the main part of England, Christianity had really not come. Ethelbert was a pagan king, but his new bride brought with her this really devout, alive, passionate faith. And so, seeking to be supportive of his new bride, Ethelbert built Bertha a small chapel in which she visited daily, praying diligently for the conversion of her non-Christian husband. For 18 years, Bertha daily prayed for her husband. And for 18 years, those daily prayers for her husband seemingly went unanswered, right? She probably at times was discouraged. But in 596 AD, a mission team arrived from Rome sent by Pope Gregory the Great, landing in Kent, And they preached the gospel to King Ethelbert, who finally at that moment, the blinds came off, he bowed his knee before the sovereignty of God and became the first king in the English-speaking world to come to Christ. Cool. That's intercession. Within a single year, it's estimated that more than 10,000 people followed Ethelbert's example converting to Christianity. On Christmas Day in 597, there was a mass baptism service. Canterbury inevitably became the base of the Catholic Church in England, while the indigenous Celtic Church continued to flourish in the north. And to this day, Canterbury is the spiritual hub 
the spiritual home of 85 million Anglicans around the world, and its bishop, the Archbishop of Canterbury, is seen as the leader of the Anglican communion. Now, Bertha left no writings. There's no record of her ever making a public speech or passing the laws, and yet through her faithfulness in prayer, she had a huge impact on not just the evangelization of England, but of of nations of the English-speaking world. And her prayer chapel, dedicated to St. Martin, is now recognized by UNESCO as the oldest place of unbroken Christian worship and witness in the English-speaking world. Right? See, Bertha probably thought she was just praying for her husband, but she was in fact interceding for generations to come. She was interceding for nations, friends. And the Lord heard her prayers that she offered day after day. And he took his time to do more. Immeasurably more than she could ask or imagine, right? Yeah, that's intercession. It's praying on behalf of your friends. I hope you're praying for your friends who don't know Jesus. I hope you're praying daily for them. I hope you're praying for your lost uh, loved ones. Because it matters, friends. It matters. Generations matter. I think of of, uh, three or four years ago, my friend Javier over here, who he and I were uh, working together. He he was doing some work for me. He was a contractor, painter. And man, he was... He was lost. <laughs> he was lost as a goose. All, you know, uh, man, yeah, just tied up in all kinds of stuff, substance abuse. And, and I began to pray for Javier. And the Lord opened the door to share the gospel with him. And today, Javier and his family are here. He's leading the 12-step group in CR. We celebrate what God is doing through answered prayer. All right? So intercession, okay? Pete Gregg in his book, uh, How to Pray, simply says, look, if you want to intercede for others, you got to do four things. Get informed, right? Get, get aware. Know, know the issues. Find out what you're really praying for. Get inspired. Pray uh, promise-based prayers. If you want to get inspired in intercession, pray the Word of God. Because when we pray the Word of God, it gives, it gives us authority. And then get indignant, man. Get, we, we say 24-7, pick a fight. Just pick a fight. But when you pick a fight, begin in the place of prayer. <laughs> right? And then get in sync. Pray with others. Because intercession is hard work. And we can't carry that load by ourselves. This is what we, as the body of Christ, are called to do. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for the nation." And my friends, I, I think in this hour, with all of the issues in our nation, that we must be a praying people above all else. We must be a praying people above all else. And then the last way that we ask God is, is discernment. We ask for ourselves in petition. We ask for others in intercession. But in discernment, we're actually asking God to tell us what he thinks. Show us what you think, God. What is it that you're doing? What is it that you're up to? Because 
the more I journey with God, I've learned that his ways are higher than my ways, but his ways are definitely better than my ways, right? And so this is how we have learned to lead here as a, as a community, our elders and our staff and our team. We, we've realized that, oh, we, we got to check in with God and see, is this what he wants us to be doing? You know, because there's a million things we could be doing all under the umbrella of this is what the church does. You understand that? But what we're asking is, what is the unique thing that God is calling us to do? And how are we supposed to do that? So we, we do that. So that form of asking is very different. Because we're, we're actually coming to the place where we can say, God, not my will... But your will be done. Because I've recognized that your will is better. Your ways are better. And you see the, the intimacy and the exchange. The recognizing of my own heart. Because I've asked for things before from God that I'm no longer asking. And then finally, guys, let me just say a, a word about unanswered prayer. Anyone ever been disappointed in the place of prayer because you feel like you haven't seen what you, the answer to what you were praying? If we're honest, we have to go here. I'm really grateful uh, for my friend Pete Gregg because although he's the founder of one of the largest prayer movements, he's really the only one that I've ever heard talk about unanswered prayer. He's actually written a book on it called God Unmute, and I encourage you to go to it. Their uh, second video prayer course, which is free, if you go to theprayercourse.org, he's got a whole series, video series on it that's about unanswered prayer. And how do we navigate seasons where it seems like we're experiencing unanswered prayer? So first, let me just say three quick things. Prayers have a long shelf life. See, Jesus told two parables about prayer to teach us that the most important thing about prayer is don't give up praying. One was a, a, a widow who was uh, demanding justice from an unjust judge. Another was a friend who was uh, beseeching his neighbor just to give him some supplies that he had run out of. Neither the friend nor the widow got what they were asking when they first asked. And friends, although God is our friend, and although God is a just God, there are certain answers to prayer that will not come because he's your friend. There are certain answers to prayer that will not come because he's just. There are certain answers that will come only because we persevere in prayer. Only because we don't give Two, ha two things happen in the midst of unanswered prayer. First, we discover that in the absence of an answer, we get his presence. We get his presence. In the absence of an answer, we get his presence that sustains us through the unanswered prayer. Now, I don't have time to go on all of it, but I just want to know that I want you to know that going through unanswered prayer causes me to wrestle with God in ways that I wouldn't otherwise wrestle with. 
And it causes me to get intimate with God, to get closer to God. And if you don't get bitter, if you don't get discouraged, you will make it. The second thing that happens can be illustrated this way. Let's say the, the thing that I'm asking God for in prayer is a, is a pretty big prayer. It's a huge prayer. And it's like a thousand pound boulder. It feels like a thousand pound boulder that I am pushing on and pushing on and pushing on. And it, and it, and it just won't budge. But I keep pushing and I keep praying and I keep pushing, right? And while it may seem like nothing is happening, guess what's happening? Something is happening. You're being transformed as you push against that thousand pound boulder. You know why? How you know? Because let's say next to it, there's a 500 pound boulder that a year ago you wouldn't have been able to move in prayer. But now because you've been pushing that thousand pound boulder, guess what's happening? That prayer just goes. Right? There's something that happens that transforms us in the place of prayer. And finally... I want you to think about this when you're dealing with unanswered prayer. Could it be that Satan is contesting your perseverance because God is working on an answer beyond anything that you can think or imagine? So in the, in the midst of an unanswered prayer, what do we do? We do the other stuff. We pray. We, we pause. We, we yield. We... Rejoice. And we live off the testimony. So let's live off some. You want to live off some testimony as we close? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. This may be the best idea I've ever done or the worst idea. Oh, wow. Okay. Here we go. Woo! Craziest prayer God answered when I was going on a month-long Mission trip to Japan with ORU. Oh, yes, technology. Now it's freezing up on me. Here it goes. I was born with a condition that required me to take three shots of medicine a day to avoid seizures. So before the trip, I knew I had to pack at least four bottles of this medicine to last me the whole month before going on the trip. I only had one bottle left, so I put in an order to my pharmacy to get more. There was a problem with the pharmacy the day I was supposed to get the refill, and they needed me to wait another 10 days, but our plane, plane to Japan was supposed to leave the next day. I searched all over for other pharmacies. No one had any medicine left. I stepped out in faith and went to Japan anyway with just one bottle left of my medicine that was supposed to last a whole month. My missions team... And I prayed that Jesus would multiply the medicine in the bottle just as he had with the fish and bread to feed the crowd. We prayed this for the whole week that I was using my medicine up. The night before my prayer was answered, I used up the very last of my meds. Things were looking grim, and I was wondering if I would have to return to the U.S. to avoid early seizure, uh, a serious seizure for going without the medicine. But the next morning, whew, God filled the bottle. He kept it full for the whole month, like the alabaster jar, until it was time to go home. Only once we got home to the U.S. did the bottle start to get empty. It was baffling in my mind, 
but no doubt in my mind that God answered it and filled the medicine with exactly the amount that I needed. Wow. For 17 years, I prayed, God, don't give up on me. And he didn't. (laughs) Oh, all right. Here we go. When I was 14, on a missions trip to Sudan, we were having people come to the stage to be prayed for. All of a sudden, a baby was passed over the crowd, and I saw it happening and took the baby. I had no idea why the baby was in my arms, but I just prayed a simple prayer. Please help this baby. And then the little baby grabbed my finger. Finally, the mom got to the stage and started crying because she said that the hand that was grabbing my finger had been paralyzed and was now moving. Come on. (laughs) all right let's see when i was a kid i had poison ivy my dad prayed over dinner about my poison ivy and when i opened my eyes it was gone (laughs) all right we better stop uh but i'm gonna enjoy these (laughs) and we may do something with them Let's stand together, friends. If you don't have the Lectio 365 prayer app, this is what it looks like. You can download it. I highly encourage you to develop. Paul said in Ephesians 6.18, pray in all ways at all times. Amen? So pray, friends. Ask and pray bold prayers audacious prayers dangerous prayers simple prayers little prayers insignificant prayers tiny prayers big prayers it doesn't matter but pray pray and watch god at work in your life so father god today would you make us a praying community make us a house of prayer help us lord to live on the edge of faith. Fill us, Lord. We pray in your name. We pray in faith because you're a good father. And Lord, make us the kind of people who know how to persevere in prayer no matter what because, Lord, we have seen your hand and we know you're a good father and you won't give us a snake If we ask for a fish, in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen.